Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The book of Judges, chapter number 20, amen, this evening. We'll go to the word of the Lord. We will start around verse 31. Amen. Uh, Just a little indicator on our Facebook page. It's announced that uh, we are now on Twitter and now on Instagram as well. Amen. So if you have those other social media platforms, you can connect to us, share, like, so on and so forth, and keep informed another way. As a result of that, uh, getting some more uh, visual pictures and stuff of audience worship, so on and so forth, things happening in church from time to time. Uh, you may see Brother uh, Alex Mason or Sister Tasha McGee at times uh, with phones, and they're going to be trying to capture some images or such uh, throughout. They are not uh, trying to be uh, take away from what's going on. They're trying to be as discreet as possible, but also uh, utilize those tools of social media that are out there. Amen. Might as well use them. For the glory of the Lord. And so uh, I say that tonight not to draw attention to them. Okay. I say that not to draw attention to them. And so that whenever they would be grabbing a, a, a camera or, or a phone and standing or whatever they may be doing to grab an image. I am not then imploring you to turn head, cock your eyes and just stare. The purpose of the announcement is for you to go on in life as though nothing is happening as much as possible. So I'm just letting you know so that you're not taken taken, uh, off guard. Amen. You know what's going on. So see, that already answers one question. So see, because if someone doesn't, you're like, what are they doing? I've already answered that for you. So see, you don't have to worry about it. Amen. And so uh, we're trying to just uh, be a little more uh, proactive in in, in using some of these things uh, to our advantage, our advantage. Judges chapter 20. Everybody ready for preaching? Amen. I like to hear that. Judges chapter number 20. Verse 31 starting, and I will tell you I'm a little insecure about this message. Uh, I have no doubt feel the Lord, amen, has something to say. I'm more insecure about me than anything, and I just state that from the go because I don't know, someone one time said if you have those type of things, just make it plain right from the start. There's another school of thought says you shouldn't let anybody know. Well, listen, I just feel better about letting you know uh, than not. Amen. I don't have no dogs to walk, all right? Judges 20. I do have a literal dog, but you understand what I'm saying. Judges 20 and verse 31. And we're jumping right in the middle of a story, as we all times do. And the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And they began to smite of the people and kill as at other times. In the highways of which one goeth up to the house of God. And the other to Gibeah in the field, about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are smitten down before us as at the first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee, draw them from the city into the highways. And all the men of Israel rose up out of their place and put themselves in array at Baal Tamar. And the liars in wait of Israel came forth out of their places even out of the meadows of Gibeah and there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and the battle was sore 
but they knew not that evil was near them. That's the phrase I want to hang my hat on tonight. They knew not that evil was near them. The, the, the new King James Version, which is the Bible I'm reading this year, states it like this. But the Benjamites did not know that disaster was upon them. And there is no more, in my opinion, of a more unsettling place to be than disaster to be approaching and you to be unaware. That it's on its way. Or that it's coming. And so with the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. I want to minister simply this. A disaster just waiting to happen. A disaster just waiting to happen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father I need you this evening. God I have great confidence in your word. I got great confidence in your word tonight. God it is forever settled it is sure god i pray oh lord help god this messenger of clay my mind my lips my thoughts i pray oh lord to be clear god and concise lord jesus god for the subject matter tonight I pray, oh Lord, today, God, you know, God, the impact. And I'm praying, God, that this message would meet its mark. God, wherever, whoever, whatever, God, it may be, God, that is, Lord, my concern, that it would meet its mark, Lord Jesus, this evening, God, and have its perfect way, Lord God, in this place and beyond, Lord Jesus, in the sound ways of those that will hear it. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen to the church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As a kid at the McGee House, as a kid at the McGee House, we had a game that was supposed to be an outdoor game. Supposed to be an outdoor game. It was called Yard Darts. They still have Yard Darts today, but they're entirely different than what we had whenever we were kids. The yard darts that we had when we were kids, if you can put that slide up there, the yard darts that we had when we were kids were that. That's what it looked like. That's what we played with. Today they got these spherical ends that you throw and they bounce on the ground and all this stuff. They're soft. Son, years ago when they made yard darts, they had a point on them. And they were weighted. They were weighted points. They wanted those boogers to stick, if not in the, net, in the ground. Uh, there was probably some fatalities from the yard darts that we played with. But it was supposed to be an outdoor game. And sometimes we would set up yard darts in the house. And so whenever I was a young boy, and whenever I say young, I mean very young. I was just a young lad. And just keep the picture up there. You see that the, the border of those yard darts were consisted of basically dowel rods. They were almost like a half inch in diameter dowel rods that the, the, the border of that yard dart was consistent of. And when you put it together, then you could stretch the net over it. And so whenever I was a young man, this is how young I was, guys. Uh, one of those dowel rods that, that, that made up one of those sides, one of those dowel rods were probably just about as tall as I was of the time frame that I'm speaking of. And so we were in the house and we were going to put this thing together and I had one of the side dowel rods that belonged to the yard dart gang. And I'm just a young boy. I'm so eager to play with the yard darts. You know, they're pointy, they're weighty, they could be dangerous. This sounds like a great opportunity for a young man to have fun. And so I have one of those dowel rods and in our kitchen we had a little bar stool area and there was a bar stool there. And I jumped up on the bar stool with the dowel rod in my hand. 
And as I was setting up on there, I don't remember why we weren't getting the gang together right at that moment in time, but I had the mentality of anybody of that age so eager you know, to get this thing going, hoorah, and I'm sitting up there on that bar stool with one dowel rod, and I place that dowel rod in my mouth, kind of chewing on the top of the dowel rod, if you will, you know, as I'm waiting patiently, and so I'm eager, I'm ready, let's get this thing going, and in my moment of eagerness and readiness to do this, I jump off of the bar stool, still with the dowel rod in my mouth, And remember, it is almost taller than I am. One end of the dowel rod hit the floor. And the other end of the dowel rod implanted a little bit into the roof of my mouth. Followed by bleeding profusely and screaming and and crying and tears running down my face. So I said all of that now to ask you a few questions tonight. At what point in that little story right there was disaster just waiting to happen? Did you notice it whenever I climbed up on the bar stool? Or did you notice it whenever I put the dowel rod in my mouth? Or did you notice it when I jumped off of the bar stool with the dowel rod still in my mouth? And someone's asking, why in the world did you do that? Well, the fact of the matter is this. It may be easier to recognize disaster on the verge of striking somebody else a whole lot quicker than we are of striking our own life. Now, for a young man, you can call it naivety. You can call it ignorance. You can call it lack of awareness. I'll accept all of those. But that's just the fact of the matter. A few weeks ago, if you can go on to the next one, a few weeks ago, uh, my family and I were in St. Louis. We were in St. Louis, and we went to the city museum Love the city museum. And in the city museum and outside of the city museum, there are all kinds of spaces that you can crawl and climb. And I was a 40-year-old man that was crawling on all fours, following my children uh, through all these crooks and crannies. Some of the places that my son could go, he thought I could go. And I thought there were some times that they might have to call some emergency technicians to extract my body from some of these tubes that I was maneuvering through. But none of my kids would go up there, so I'm up there in green, the 40-year-old man among all the kids. Up there among all this, and you can cry, crawl through all this stuff inside the building. They have 10-story slides and 5-story slides, and there's a bus on top of there that overhangs the building, and you can get in that thing too, and all kinds of stuff. And so we were there. You can go on to the next slide. While we were there, there's also a little area that has a little castle tower, a little castle uh, pier that is setting there. And so we each took our turn. There's my wife and, 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 and Mariah up there, uh, just to give you a perspective of the height of it. And, and I went up there with Trevor and there's, it's a real tight space in order to climb up there and your feet, it's almost like one foot per step as you're going up. And I was up there on that tower and it's a decent amount uh, of height off of the ground and I, we're peering over and looking down and as I'm standing there, there's, there's this, this little boy, toddler size, mind you, he jumped up and grabbed the edge of that, pulled himself up and then toward the edge of that, of that tower and my parental instincts went into ninja mode. 
And I grabbed that boy. I didn't know this guy from Adam. I grabbed that boy by the leg. I don't know how close my hand was to anything, but I grabbed that leg and grabbed his shoulder, and I put him down, and I asked him, because I, I kind of looked around. There was just a few of us up there. I said, where, where, where's your parents at? Because my, my heart right now is up here in my throat. I said, where's your parents at? He didn't know where his parents were. He didn't know where they were at. Amen. And they were not around at that very moment in time. And here's just this carefree toddler jumping up, pulling over, and you can see the perspective perspective of the height of all that is and I thought in my mind man had he been with his parents you know they might have reacted the very same way that I reacted and the thing that went through my thought was this this is just a disaster waiting to happen that boy is going to get hurt somewhere around here today He's going to get hurt because he has no guiding voice of maturity right now in his life he's going to get hurt this day's not going to end well for him if there's lights later they're going to come for me and him just knew it was a disaster waiting to happen. But I've come to tell you tonight that disaster doesn't always meet you face to face and allow for former introductions. For that matter, disaster may very easily be cloaked in something that seems harmless, that seems okay. It could be as the Bible story describes, it could be as the dagger of a man by the name of Ehud who went in before Eglon and said, here's a gift. And the gift was a dagger that he was going to plant inside of Eglon's belly. Or it could be, if you will, like the subject matter of Job in the Old Testament Scripture. Joab, brother, who the Bible says there's multiple times that he hugged people and he gave them a warm embrace and cloaked in all of that was a dagger under the fifth rib. You don't always see disaster coming. You don't always have forewarning that it's going to be there. And so with that in mind tonight, it is important to be conscious of disaster's whereabouts. You don't want to be surprised or taken off guard by disaster. In the days that predated all the warning systems that we have today for storms and tornadoes or things of that kind, you know, whenever those things were not there or were not in purpose or were not in function, you know, there were many times you would see news cast and reports of the proverbial family that's standing in front of a destroyed house and they might even have tears going down their face because they are grieving the loss of a loved one that had been taken per se by or tornado and the thing that would oftentimes come off their lips would be this if we realized it was that close to us we realized it was that close to us we would have taken cover for that matter though an action that we may have in our life today though it may prove not to be disastrous today is no proof that it will not contribute to some disaster later in life. Amen. And so it's with good purposes. We, uh, you know, we've had the ability at times to travel many different states. And as a result of that, we've seen a few different things and taken advantage of museums and things of that nature whenever we've had opportunity. And there's a reason why that you go into these places and they say, please do not touch the, the sculpted, if you will, whatever of marble or stone as you pass by. Or when you're in a cavern, why they don't want you to touch the, uh, the what is it called? lag tights and, and so on please don't touch those as you go by because they understand one touch today by 500 people in a few years from now there isn't going to be a sculpture to touch because it's going to be the wearing away if you will of the material over time but I submit to you tonight that perhaps the worst type of disaster is the one that you're not aware of or the one that you did not heed the warning 
about. Our text is taken tonight from the middle of a story. It's a middle of a story that has developed over the past couple of chapters, even perhaps throughout the entire book of Judges. But the Bible is showing us a tribe of Benjamin in the scriptures that I read to you tonight. This tribe is in a civil war. They're in a civil war among their brethren. Amen. It is Benjamin pit against, amen, the other 11 tribes of Israel. They are fighting one another. They are engaged in battle. And in the scripture setting that I read to you tonight, the battle is so fierce. The battle is so burdensome. Amen. That, that they are in. Amen. That Benjamin was in a place evidently that he thought though it is fierce and though it is burdensome and though it is sore, he he had the concept and mentality that he was not going to lose and his tribe was not going to fail in this endeavor. They thought there was no way that this could turn in a negative direction for them. But the Bible says plainly to us tonight that they did not know that evil was near unto them. I've read several different versions this week on this story. If I may just share a few of them. He said that the Benjamites did not know that disaster was close upon them. One says the Benjamites had no idea that they were about to go down and defeat. One said the Benjamites did not realize how near disaster was. One said they didn't realize the impending disaster. They didn't know disaster was about to strike them. They didn't realize they were about to be destroyed. They didn't realize that disaster was on their doorstep. They did not understand that the present death that threatened them was on every side. They didn't realize any of this. Can someone say amen? But the story goes as this. If you'll just walk with me here for a moment. There's something that led up to all of this. And I'll try to just hit the tops of the trees. I know service has been a little long. But I'll trust that you'll walk with me here just for a moment. We read in Judges chapter number 9 of a story. These are some of the peculiar stories of the book of Judges. In Judges chapter number 19, there is a story being relayed of a Levite and his concubine. They left. He went to get his concubine from his father's house and the Levite and she was returning back home. Unable to make it home that night, they were going to dwell in a certain area of Gibeah, which was inhabited by the tribe of Benjamin. They went into a man's house who was not a native of the land. And it's kind of like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. There came people then all around the house, Benjamites, mind you, that said, we want the man that came into your house to come out. They wanted to take advantage of this man. Amen. The man who is the host did not let him go out. Rather, he sent out his daughter. Amen. And the man, the Levite, sent out his concubine. And the Bible says that these men of Benjamin abused both of them all night. As a matter of fact, sexually abused them all throughout the night. Insomuch that in the morning that the concubine's hands was upon the threshold of the household and she was there and her husband, her, her man comes out and basically says, let's get up and let's get going. And he realized there was no voice there was nothing spoken there was nothing said she was motionless there at that threshold and he picked down to pick up really his murdered concubine he set it on his beast and went back home and the bible says this is one of the peculiar stories of judges that he cut her body into 12 pieces and he sent it throughout the different tribes of israel 
And it was a common thing, and not, to, not never done with a human body, but Saul at one time cut up an auction in 12 pieces and sent it out, and it was for the rallying, if you will, of the, uh, of the tribes to a certain place in a certain area. And so they all came together, and when they come together, they knew that something was wrong, something wasn't right. Everybody, it seems like, were there except for the perpetrator, and that was Benjamin and that tribe. Amen. So when they come together, they're like, we got to do something about this wrong. We got to do something about this injustice. We cannot allow this to continue can't allow this to go on and so the Bible says that here they are they go out among the Benjamites amen and they start trying to get some feedback among them and basically say where are these men that took advantage of this woman where are these men that took advantage of her all throughout the night to the place that she was dead in the morning and the Benjamites having the ability having the ability to uncover what was done wrong and who had done wrong rather though than doing that the Bible says they refused amen to relinquish the names they refused to relinquish the individuals they chose rather to harbor the wrongdoing that had been done even to the place of protecting the wrongdoing and now instead of giving them over unto all the other tribes now Benjamin is grabbing his sword and he's grabbing his shield and he's grabbing his armor and he's going to make his way out to the battlefield to fight against his brethren to fight against the other tribes in order to protect the wrong that had been done among them in order to protect the wrongdoing of what taken place the Bible says it's a long story the Bible says the first day they went out to battle and they are valiant in fighting amen the Benjamins are going the Benjamites are going forward there's not a whole lot of them but they're mighty the Bible says there's 700 of them that they are slingers of stone and they can do it with their left hand and they can within a hair breath they can hit their mark amen every time and so they go out the first day protecting the wrongdoing of the other Benjamites protecting what they had done wrong and the Bible says the Benjamites claim 22,000 lives of the Israelites on that first day man they must be feeling pretty good we were victorious we, we, we got this thing wrapped up this is all well and fine so on the second day battle was made again they've been successful day number one but it's day number two and so they go out and fight again now on the second day 18,000 Israelites fall at the hand of the Benjamites that's trying to keep this wrongdoing under wraps trying to protect if you will this wrongdoing and so in verse 31 here comes Benjamin again it's day number three I've been successful in day number one I've been successful in day number two what's going to keep me from being successful in day number three let me put it in these terms. I got by with it the first day. I got by with it the second day. I protected this all along. I've not, I've not given any names. I've not revealed anything. I've tried to cloak this. I've tried to keep this thing all sewn up. So what's going to keep me from day number three being able to achieve the very same thing I've achieved the last two days? And so he goes out. He's appearing. He's thinking he's victorious. The battle is starting again on the third day. The Bible describes that it seems like in just a few moments of time, he already have, they already have as a tribe, 30 individuals laying on the ground of Israel. They are going to be 
successful. As a matter of fact, the Benjamites believe that they do, in fact, have success. The Bible says that they went out as at other times. Just like they did on day one, they went with the same fortitude. Just like on day number two, they went with the same initiative. We're going to get through this. We're going to be victorious. We're not going to have to, you know, divulge anything. We're going to get by with all this. We're going to go out on the third day just like we have went out at other times. But folks, there is a problem. There is a problem whenever you think you can live every day just like the past previous day. They went out as they did as other times. The Bible says the battle was set in array against Israel just like it was at other times. But unlike before, the battle says Israel gives a little fight back. Israel makes the battle sore. Israel makes the battle fierce. Israel makes the battle burdensome. In so much those words are spoken in your hearing tonight that the Benjamites did not know that disaster was upon them. Someone say, Amen. What had happened is this they got caught up. They got caught up in the moment of believing that they could pull it off. They got caught up in the moment of believing that they could keep it hid, that they could keep it under wraps, that it was not going to surface. And once they were successful on day one, and once they were successful on day two, whenever day three come, they just thought there was no way. There was no way a tide was going to turn. There was no way that it was going to be any different than any other day. In so much that whenever disaster was approaching, they were so caught up in their mind, amen, that they could keep it under wraps and they could keep it hidden. That disaster was coming and they didn't even have an awareness that it was on its way. And there is no scarier position to be put in than disaster coming and not being aware that it's on its way. It's the very same story that we read in Judges 16 of a man by the name of Samson who the Bible says after he laid his head down on the lap of Delilah and she's asking Samson, tell me wherein your great strength lies. And the Bible says he shared with her a portion of his heart and he says if you will bind me with ropes that have never been occupied, I'll be like another man. She bound him, called for the Philistines to come in and he broke them like they were nothing. She asked the question again the Bible says daily that she would come at him and the Bible says if you'll put green whiffs upon me that's never been dried I'll be weak as another man she did that and the Bible says they were broken she asked again just agitating him amen asking 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 consistently he said if you will take a weave see notice we're getting a little closer to where it really is he says if you'll take a weave and you'll weave my hair in that weave amen with seven logs he said I'll be weak as another man and the Bible says she did that. She called for the Philistines. He came up. He shook himself just like any other time. Amen. And made a show of them. But lastly, the Bible says he told her all his heart. And when he did, he said, if you'll take a razor to my head and you'll shave my hair, I will be weak as another man. And the Bible says she did that as she slept on her knees and she called in the Philistines and the Bible says he shook himself and he arose as he had at other times he arose as he did at other times when he had the ropes and when he had the withs and whenever he had the weave he rose just like it was any other time and any other day but the Bible said but he knew not that the spirit of God was not with him in other words he didn't realize disaster had come upon him and he was unaware and it was his demise Someone say amen. 
The God's Word translation that says that Benjamin's men didn't realize their own evil was about to overtake them. Their own evil. Let me ask you a question tonight. How is it? How is it they could not recognize the disaster? How is it, Sister Deborah, that they could not recognize or realize the disaster that was coming upon them when this thing, the seedbed of it, starts with somebody trying to cover up wrongdoing? No, 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 no. Do you understand what I'm saying? How is it that you don't see disaster coming when this thing didn't start right to begin with? You, they're trying to not, they're not going to give any names. They're not going to say who the people are. They're not going to bring them out before Israel. Don't you know that if you start making excuses for wrongdoing, that disaster is already on its way. If you the day that you begin to try to hide, cover up, excuse. Honey, disaster is already on its way. It, it is no surprise to me as I read the scriptures. I'm thinking, Benjamin, where is your head? You've got it in the sand. This thing started wrong. You've excused wrongs. You've hid wrongs. How in the world can you not be aware that disaster is on the way? Honey, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. If you want to excuse wrong, if you want to hide wrong, if you want to, if you will, displace wrong, for that matter, judges. Is the book, as I alluded to this morning, that said over and over, particularly the past four chapters, the last four chapters of Judges, it is particularly the book that constantly says, there was no king. There was no king. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Someone say amen. They had no authoritative voice in their life they had no voice of guidance in their life and so all the stories that you read in judges that just seem to be so bogus bogus and outlandish i mean a, a human body being cut in 12 pieces a, a tribe that hires a levite priest to be the priest in their home over a pagan god all those things seem to be outlandish the reason why is that there was no king and so we can't stand in a position in the future and not truly be aware amen of the happenings of disaster approaching when you start on two legs of trying to hide amen the wrong and trying to live life without the king Someone say amen. The Bible says they weren't aware of it. They didn't know it. But when you get to verse number 36, Benjamin started to pick up on something. He wasn't aware, but he started to pick up on something. He saw that defeat was imminent. He seen that defeat was on its way. He thought he was going to successfully pull it off because 30 men of the Israelites lay on the ground on the third day. But then he seen finally that defeat was on its way. But verse 41 points it out, and it is the sad refrain, if you will, of this story. Amen. They recognized that disaster was on its way when it was too late to do anything about the disaster. 
They realized that it was coming before they could do anything about it. I come to sound the alarm tonight on this Sunday night. I don't know the things that may have crept into your life or crept into your home or crept into your family, but I'm telling you right now, if it has anything to do with excusing wrong or trying to hide something that should not be there or trying to live life without the king, disaster is already on its way. And I'm trying to sound the alarm today. We need to take inventory while we can still do something about it. We need to take inventory today before it's too late. We need to... Oh, yes. The Bible says the end result was the battle overtook them. Overtook them. We wouldn't even be standing where we're standing in Judges. Had not somebody just took what it was was wrong and set it out before the justice to be judged. But because it was hidden, because it was excused, because it was tucked back, disaster is coming and nobody even realizes it. Can I tell you today that we need to change the mind frame? The Bible says whenever the Benjamites died, no, almost all the tribe of Benjamin was taken away. Almost every last single one of them except for 600 of them. Over 26,000, over 26,000 Benjamites lost their life that day. And the Bible says that they were men of valor. They were men of courage. They were men of bravery. Amen. That lost their life that day. All because they arbored some wrong and they lived their life as though there was no king. But this is where it comes to us tonight. This is where it comes to us. There are a few reasons, in my opinion, this evening why a person may not realize disaster is on their heels. Number one, like I was like a child with the yard darts. You may be naive. Number two, there could be something distracting you from the signs and the warnings that disaster is coming. Number three, you may have a little bit of arrogance like the Benjamites had. Thinking that the rules don't apply to you because you've got by with it for two days. Or number three, you might simply be ignoring the signs and simply ignoring the warnings. What is your a game plan, if you will, Pastor McGee, for this this evening? I'll tell you what my game plan is. If we are naive, then I suggest this tonight. We, you, need to educate yourself what disaster looks like. No, 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 no. You need to educate yourself what disaster looks like. What are you talking about? I'm talking about as married couples, we need to educate ourselves what disaster looks like. It looks like somebody else talking to a significant other about marriage situations. It's about meeting somebody the opposite sex for dinner without our spouse. We gotta, we gotta, if you will, familiarize ourselves with a with what disaster looks like. We got to familiarize ourselves with what disaster looks like within the context of the home and the family. It's what our kids are reading, what we are watching on TV, how much time we're invested in things besides the things of God. We got to look like what we got to make ourselves knowledgeable. No, 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 no. We, we got to. 
you're not, if we're naive, you need, you need to educate yourself in what disaster looks like. Can I tell you tonight that if I was to move from the state of Illinois and I were to move out in Oklahoma, amen, around Tornado Alley in Oklahoma, you know what I would do? Yes, we've been here and yes, we've had our own tragedies in this area, but nothing like Oklahoma at Tornado Alley. If I was going to live there, I might go somewhere and see if someone can educate me with a little bit more precision about what a funnel cloud looks like, what the sky looks like, amen, before a tornado touches down. Why? Because I need a strategic plan in place for the safety in case disaster is upon me. I don't need to be ostrich with my head in the sand. I need to, if you will, take inventory to know what right looks like, what wrong looks like, amen, what intimidation, what threat looks like. I suggest to you tonight that if something is distracting you from the signs of disaster or the warnings of disaster, let me suggest this tonight. You need to minimize the distractions that may be preventing you from seeing the big picture. Back to our Samson boy. He knew where his strength lied. He knew that the power was invested in his commitment to those vows. He knew that. But you know why Samson didn't realize disaster was upon him? Because he was distracted. From early adulthood, he was distracted. He sees a woman in Timnath, and he says, Mom and Dad, I like that girl. She's an unbeliever. She's not of Israel. He says, I like that girl. I'd like for you to get her for me. Someone hear me? At another time, the Bible says he visited a harlot. Then we end up in the latter portion of the story with Delilah. Again, it's somebody that is not an Israelite. She's in the valley of Sherek. You know what distracted, amen, Samson from realizing that disaster was upon him? It was women for disaster. It was women for Samson. That was his distraction. That's what kept him from realizing impending danger was all around him. And he was about ready to sell out to something that was going to pluck his vision and his eyes and have him sport in the sport, if you will, in the temple of Dagon, grinding mill before all the people. But he couldn't see it. He couldn't heed the warning because his distraction was there. No, 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 no. Someone say amen. Now your problem might not be women. Again, it might be. But whatever it is, we got to identify what's distracting us from hearing the noise, from hearing the wondering, the warnings, from giving heed to what it is that's encircling about us that is going to be disastrous. If we don't do something about it in the moment that we recognize it. If you are, if we are in the, the level or the degree or the party, if you will, of feeling a little bit arrogant, maybe like the Benjamites because we think the rules don't apply to us because we were successful day number one and day number two. I implore thee tonight, you need not think that the consequences don't apply to you just because it seems like you've escaped them thus far. 
Because you know what happens? Of any age, when it feels like you got by with something, you feel like you can get by with it again. There was a story I read one time. It was of a 30-year-old man. He was 30 years old at the time that he was recounting it. But he told the story of whenever he was a younger man, around seven years old. He was recounting the story, what he had done at that seven-year-old age, young in life. Amen. Now 30, looking back, he had stole some money from his mama's purse. And you boys still need any money from mama's purse, are you? Daddy's wallet. He stole some money from mama's purse. Then he crossed three streets that he knew that he was forbidden to cross by himself. And then he went shopping at a grocery store for some candy he knew his mom did not want him to have. And then instead of buying the candy with the money, he just stole the candy. He did it one time and he got by with it. Guess what he did? He did it a second time. And got by with it. And then guess what he did? He did it a third time. But when he came home, mama was lurking in the living room. Caught him red-handed. Merchandise he did not buy. Had crossed the street. She had forbidden him to cross three different ones of them. And this man, as a 30-year-old, begins to reflect on that moment. And he said, you know what? That was a very watershed moment for me because it was my first experience of theft and lying and learning that sometimes you can deliberately do something wrong and not get caught. And he said, so from that day forward in my life, right and wrong became a matter of weighing the chances of consequences of getting caught. And knowing I could play with fire sometimes and not always get burnt led a path of trouble for me the rest of my days. What are you saying? I'm saying if you think it can't happen to you. If you can say, well, it happened to them and that's that, but I've done this too many times now and got by with it, it ain't going to happen to me. And I know we're not talking about seven-year-olds, but there's some adults that try to pull the same thing, amen, in their life. Amen, I got by with it before, I can get by with it again. But I'm here to tell you right now that you're going to have to pay the piper sooner or later. There are going to be the consequences. Just because you didn't get burnt once by fire doesn't mean every time you play with it you won't get burnt. you got to... It's a disaster waiting to happen. Or perhaps you're among the, those that maybe perhaps say, well, you've just, it's not that you haven't seen the warnings, you've not seen the signs, or it's not that you've been distracted from them, or that you're naive and you're not educated about it. You may fall among the masses that, you know what, you just ignore. Just ignore the signs of pending disaster. You know, it's the story of every family that's standing on the top of their house and the water's up to the eaves because they didn't leave whenever they said the flood was coming. Or years ago, back in 79 AD, it's, it's, it's Mount Vesuvius that totally exploded its top as a volcano and totally destroyed the city of 
Pompeii. Amen. That whole city was totally obliterated by Mount Vesuvius and its eruption. Amen. They say, locals, I've read reports that days before Mount Vesuvius ever blew its top and destroyed the city, that the mountain had already started making groaning sounds that they could hear down in the city. As a matter of fact, locals say, this is amazing to me, Brother Mason, locals say in the little bay, bay area there of Naples, close to that city, that the water had become so hot that it was literally boiling with bubbles around the edge of the bay. Everybody's seeing the water hot. They're hearing the groanings of the mountain. But everybody's just staying in the city. What are they doing? They are willfully and deliberately ignoring all the signs that this hot lava is making its way to the surface. They even say that there were wells and streams in their community that dried totally up. And it even wasn't a hot summer that was happening because she was on the verge of blowing its top. And you know what? Everybody's walking around just like it's just another day. Amen. They don't even understand that disaster and evil is upon them. And the reason why is because they've chose to ignore. They've chose to ignore. But the whole city is totally destroyed by a volcano. Why? Because someone just ignored every sign, every indication. Someone say amen. amen. You'll stand with me tonight. I'll hurry to bring this to a close. It's a disaster just waiting to happen, Benjamites. They're unaware of it. How can this be? It started off bad. No one's serving the king. This just can't turn out right. Something we must understand tonight is this. This disaster that they were presumably unaware of. This is a disaster that was, there was more at chance than just the loss of a limb here. There's more at chance than just a city being burned with fire here. But this disaster that was upon them that they didn't take recognition of was threatening their total existence. Judges 20 and verse 15 tells us that they numbered 26,700 men. And an unrecognized disaster almost made extinct a 26,700 men group. In the end, the Bible portrays and they would have went too had there not been compassion on the Israelites, the other tribes part. The Bible says in the end there were only 600 of them left. Brother McGee, what, what are you saying tonight? Just a disaster. Just a disaster waiting to happen. What are you telling us? And we're, we're not aware. And what, what is all this? I'm saying this, church family. We cannot afford. We cannot afford a disaster that we're unaware of at the expense of our family. We cannot afford a disaster that we're unaware of at the expense of the church. We cannot afford a disaster that we're unaware of at the expense of our very souls. We cannot afford a disaster like that. I say all that to say this. Amazingly, 600 men of that tribe are left. And that's at the mercy of the other tribes of Israel. And the Bible tells us, if you'll continue reading to the end of Judges, that there is provision made for these Benjamite men that are left because all the ladies are gone. 
All the children are gone. They've all been slaughtered by the disaster. These 600 men that are left, the Bible says that the other tribes, through different means, you can read the story, don't have time to go through it, that they made means where these men could have some young, young virgin ladies in order to repopulate their tribe, in order to strengthen their tribe among the nation again. And this is what baffles me more than anything. Why, Brother McGee, is it so important to be conscious of the distraction or educate ourselves or not ignore these things? I'll tell you why. Because we find later Israel as a nation. Do you know? Everybody does. Do you know her first king? What's his name? Saul. You know who Saul is of? Saul is of Gibeah, of the tribe of Benjamin. These guys did not know that disaster was upon them. And they would have been totally erased from the, the, the census, if you will, of the earth had it not been for the compassion of the Israelites. And if so, their very first king, their very first king that would lead them and instruct them would not even been in existence if they did not have the compassion of the Israelite people. That is how important it is to be aware whenever there may be disaster lurking in our lives, in our homes, in the life of the church, in the life of our families. If we embow our heads tonight because there is no more of a dangerous place to be, then understand that it is coming, but you're not aware of it. Brother McGee, you are in left field. If so, chalk it up that I'm in the left field. But this thing has been whirling over in and around my mind over and over because I just couldn't come to terms with a fact of disasters coming and somebody's not aware. Disasters coming and somebody's not aware. And so that's the only thing I can leave with you tonight. I can't tell you who. I can't tell you what. I cannot tell you where. But I'm telling you this, just as the scripture said, that disaster is upon them. Evil is near, but somebody's not aware. Take it as you will. You're trying to use a scare tactic with them again. I'm not trying to do anything. I got one phrase right out of the Bible, and I'm just sharing it with you. The Benjamites did not realize it, but that did not change that it wasn't coming nonetheless. And I'm telling us we need to take inventory to realize it before it's at a place we can't do anything about it. That's not for me, Brother McGee. That's fine. I'm so happy for you. But there may be somebody here it is for, or there could be somebody that's going to listen by podcast that it is for. Just a disaster waiting to happen. These altars are open tonight. These altars are open tonight. It can't start bad and end well if you're trying to arbor something or you're trying to protect something, or you're trying to slide something under a rug. It can't, it can't start that way and end well if you don't take the heeding of the warning and the heeding, if you will, of knowing that there's something that's impending here, impending danger. Amen. Hallelujah. Educate yourself. Don't be naive. Amen. Look at whatever may be distracted you from what, what is happening around you. You need to take inventory tonight. Amen. It would serve us all good just to take inventory tonight. God, I don't want to be missing anything. God, I don't want to be missing anything. I want to, Lord, be conscious, Lord, of my surroundings right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother McGee, you're not preaching encouraging tonight. I'm sorry. I'm just the voice of a warning right now tonight. I'm just assuming the voice of a warning right now tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, can we cry out to the Lord this evening together? Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. I'll leave this to Brother and Sister Mason right now. Amen. You can respond the way that you desire to respond tonight. Hallelujah. We got to be conscious. We got to be conscious. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.